Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll with vocalizations by Eric Anderson. Chapter 5 Advice from a Caterpillar The caterpillar and Alice looked at each other for some time in silence. At last the caterpillar took the hook out of its mouth and addressed her in a languid, sleepy voice. Who are you? This was not an encouraging opening for a conversation. Alice replied very shyly, I, I hardly know, sir, just at present. At least I know who I was when I woke up this morning. But I think I must have been changed several times since then. What do you mean by that? <coughs> explain yourself. I, I can't explain myself, I'm afraid, sir. Because I'm not myself, you see. I don't see, said the caterpillar. I'm afraid I can't put it more clearly, for I can't understand it myself to begin with, and being so many different sizes in a day is very confusing. It isn't. Well, perhaps you haven't found it so yet, but when you have to turn into a chrysalis, you will some day, you know, and then after that into a butterfly, I should think you'll feel it a little queer, won't you? Not a bit. Well, perhaps your feelings may be different. All I know is, it would feel very queer to me. You? Who are you? <coughs> Which brought them back to the beginning of the conversation. Alice felt a little irritated at the caterpillars making such very short remarks. And she drew herself up and said, very gravely, I think you ought to tell me who you are first. Why? Here was another puzzling question. And... As Alice could not think of any good reason, and the caterpillar seemed to be in a very unpleasant state of mind, she turned away. Come back. I've something important to say. This sounded promising, certainly. Alice turned and came back again. Keep your temper. <laughs> <clears throat> Is that all? No. Alice thought she might as well wait, as she had nothing else to do, and perhaps, after all, it might tell us something worth hearing. For some minutes it puffed away without speaking, but at last it unfolded its arms, took the hook out of its mouth again, and said, So you think you're changed, do you? I'm afraid I am, sir, said <coughs> Alice. I can't remember things as I used to, and I don't keep the same size for ten minutes altogether. Can't remember what things... Well, I've tried to say how doth a little busy be, but it all came different. Repeat, you are old, Father William, said the caterpillar. Alice folded her hands and began. Ahem. You are old, Father William, the young man said, and your hair has become very white. And yet you incessantly stand on your head. Do you think at your age it is right? In my youth, Father William replied to his son, I feared it might injure the brain. But now that I am perfectly sure I have none, why I do it again and again. You are old, said the youth, as I mentioned before, and have grown most uncommonly fat. Yet you turned a back somersault in at the door. Pray, what's the reason of that? In my youth, said the sage, as he shook his grey locks, I kept all my limbs very supple. By the use of this ointment, one shilling the box, allow me to sell you a couple... You are old, said the youth, and your jaws are too weak for anything tougher than suet. Yet you finish the goose with the bones in the beak. Pray, how do you manage to do it? In my youth, said his father, I took to the law and argued each case with my wife. And the muscular strength which it gave to my jaw has lasted the rest of my life. You are old, said the youth, one would hardly suppose that your eye was as steady as ever. Yet you balanced an eel on the end of your nose. What made you so awfully clever? 
I have answered three questions, and that is enough, said his father. Don't give yourself airs. Do you think I can listen all day to such stuff? Be off, or I'll kick you downstairs. That is not said right, said the caterpillar. <coughs> not quite right, I'm afraid. Some of the words got altered. It's wrong from beginning to end, said the caterpillar decidedly, and there was a silence for some minutes. The caterpillar was the first to speak. What size do you want to be? Oh, I'm not particular as to size. Only one doesn't like changing so often, you know. I don't know. Anna said nothing. She had never been so contradicted in all her life before, and she felt she was losing her temper. Are you content now? Well, I should like to be a little larger, sir, if you wouldn't mind. Three inches is such a wretched height to be. It's a very good height indeed, said the caterpillar angrily, rearing itself upright as it spoke. It was exactly three inches high. But I'm not used to it, pleaded poor Alice in a piteous tone, and she thought to herself, I wish the creatures wouldn't be so easily offended. You'll get used to it in time, said the caterpillar, and it put the hookah into its mouth and began smoking again. This time Alice waited patiently until it chose to speak again. In a minute or two, the caterpillar took the hook out of its mouth and yawned once or twice and shook itself. <laughs> then it got down off the mushroom and crawled away into the grass, merely remarking as it went, One side will make you grow taller, and the other side will make you grow shorter. One side of what? The other side of what? thought Alice to herself. Of the mushroom, mushroom, said the caterpillar, just as if she'd asked it aloud and in another moment it was out of sight. Alice remained looking thoughtfully at the mushroom for a minute, trying to make out which were the two sides of it, and, as it was perfectly round, she found this a very difficult question. However, at last she stretched her arms around it as far as they would go, and broke off the bit of the edge with each hand. And now which is which? she said to herself, and nibbled a little bit of the right-hand bit to try the effect. The next moment she felt a violent blow underneath her chin. Oof! It had struck a foot! She was a good deal frightened by this sudden change, but she felt there was no time to be lost, as she was shrinking rapidly, so she set to work at once to eat some of the other bit. Her chin was pressed so closely against her foot, there was hardly any room to open her mouth, but she did it at last, and managed to swallow a morsel of the left-hand bit. "'Come, my head's free at last,' said Alice in a tone of delight, which changed into alarm in another moment, when she found that her shoulders were nowhere to be found." All she could see when she looked down was an immense length of neck, which seemed to rise like a stalk out of a sea of green leaves that lay far below her. "'What can all that green stuff be?' said Alice. "'And where have my shoulders got to?' And, "'Oh, my poor hands! How is it I can't see you?' She was moving them about as she spoke, but no result seemed to follow, except a little shaking among the distant green leaves. As there seemed to be no chance of getting her hands up to her head, she tried to get her head down to them, and was delighted to find that her neck would bend about easily in any direction, like a serpent. She had just succeeded in curving it down to a graceful zigzag, and was going to dive in amongst the leaves, which she found to be nothing but the tops of the trees under which she had been wandering, when a sharp hiss made her draw back in a hurry. A large pigeon had flown into her face and was beating her violently with its wings. Serpent! screamed the pigeon. I'm not a serpent, said Alice indignantly. Let me alone. Serpent, I say again, repeated the pigeon, 
it in a more subdued tone and added, I've tried every way, but nothing seems to suit them. I haven't the least idea what you're talking about. I've tried the roots of trees, I've tried banks, I've tried edges. But those siphons, oh, there's no pleasing them. Alice was more and more puzzled, but she thought there was no use in saying anything more till the pigeon had finished. As if it wasn't trouble enough hatching the eggs, oh, but I must be on the lookout for siphons, night and day. Why, I haven't had a wink of sleep these three weeks. I'm very sorry you've been annoyed, said Alice, who was beginning to see its meaning. And just as I'd taken the highest tree in the wood, oh, and just as I was thinking I should be free of them at last, they must needs come wriggling down from the sky, oh, serpent. But I'm not a serpent, I tell you. I'm a, I'm a, well, what are you? I can see you're trying to invent something. I'm a little girl, said Alice rather doubtfully, as she remembered the number of changes she'd gone through that day. <laughs> a likely story indeed. I've seen a good many little goyles in my time, but never one was such a neck as that. No, no, you're a serpent, and there's no use denying it. I suppose you'll be telling me next you never tasted an egg. Oh, I have tasted eggs, certainly, said Alice, who was a very truthful child. But little girls eat eggs quite as much as serpents do, you know. I don't believe it. But if they do, why, then they're a kind of serpent. That's all I can say. This was such a new idea to Alice that she was quite silent for a minute or two, which gave the pigeon the opportunity of adding, You're looking for eggs. I know that well enough. And what does it matter to me whether you're a little goyle or a serpent? It matters a good deal to me, said Alice hastily. But I'm not looking for eggs, as it happens. And if I was, I shouldn't want yours. I don't like them raw. Well, be off then. <laughs> said the pigeon in a sulky tone as it settled down again into its nest. Alice crouched down among the trees as well as she could, for her neck kept getting entangled amongst the branches, and every now and then she had to stop and untwist it. After a while she remembered that she still held the pieces of mushroom in her hands, and she set to work very carefully, nibbling first at one and then the other, and growing sometimes taller and sometimes shorter, until she had succeeded in bringing herself down to her usual height. It was so long since she had been anything near the right size that it felt quite strange at first, but she got used to it in a few minutes and began talking to herself as usual. Come, that's half my plan done now. How puzzling all these changes are. I'm never sure what I'm going to be from one moment to another. However, I've got to get back to my right size. The next thing is to get into that beautiful garden. How is that to be done, I wonder? As she said this, she suddenly came upon an open place, with a little house in it about four feet high. Whoever lives up there, thought Alice, it'll never do to come upon them this size. Why, I should frighten them out of their wits. So she began nibbling at the right hand bit again, and did not venture to go near the house till she had brought herself down to nine inches high. End of chapter five. All Voices, Sound Editing and Mixing by Eric Anderson. Introductory music by Matthew Rodsepp.